Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, who was just up here. And all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why I know when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So please come back three times and hopefully we could be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, we'd love for you to do a few things like comment, share, hey, leave a review, do something in the chat, just kind of let us know you're there. It actually helps us get through some of those social media algorithms to get the message of Jesus out today. And so uh, today's going to be so unique. I'm excited because uh, my uh, pastor, uh, pastor, Pastor Jeff Little is here today. He's my pastor along with my wife, Erica, and his wife is here and um, we're excited. He serves on uh, our board of directors. He's an elder in our church. I've known Pastor Jeff for almost 10 years now, and uh, he helped plant. So just so y'all know, like, uh, there's some people that get to come into our church and preach, and I don't get to say this about everybody, but number one, he was uh, in my life before the church got planted. He was in my life when the church got planted. He's actually one of the reasons the church got planted, and so um, if you like the church in any sense of the word, you should be grateful for him and his wife and their church and all of their staff that sacrificed to help make sure that this thing actually got off the ground. Because how many of y'all know, doing something great for God is not easy, and it takes sacrifice, and it might be free for you to walk in here, but it wasn't free for someone, and someone really, it, we all paid a really big price, and he was one of them, and so we're just so honored he's here. He serves a great church in uh, Keller, Texas, which is, if you don't know anything about Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, it's right in between Dallas and Fort Worth, a great multi-site church. He was telling me all the things that uh, they get to do uh, really out there right now. We've been taking our staff up there every year, multiple times a year. We went to y'all's worship night. Uh, we went to prepare, which is kind of their, they have a prayer and fasting moment inside of the first part of the year. So it's been a great time just to really, uh, as our church gets to know Pastor Jeff, he comes here every year, at least once a year. I always try to get him at least here twice. And uh, he comes, and every time he comes, he blesses his place. So he's not a guest. He really is family. Everybody say family. And so he serves at our church. He's invested in our church. This is family for him. He could be anywhere in the world, honestly, right now, but he chose to be here with you guys. And so I love it that every time he gets to come, he has a great word for us today. So uh, will you do me a favor? Will you stand up on your feet and help me welcome my pastor, Pastor Jeff Little, to the stage. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It's so good to be with you. Uh, as Pastor Aaron said, I had the great privilege of being a part of the initial group and the initial prayers for a church here in the San Antonio area. And uh, having planted our church, I have a heart for people like you who start a church and meet in an event center and believe God to do great things. And my, my greatest thought for you is, first of all, you're doing really well as a church, especially based on where we've been the last couple of years. I, I love church planners, work with pastors, coach churches, and um, a, a lot of churches. It was a really challenging time over the last couple of years. So just the fact that, that you're growing, that you're stable, that just thank you to all of you that give and invest and serve, uh, you're really in a, in a good place. And, and every time I also think of you, I just want to say as well, I just believe God has a building miracle for us as a church. I mean, I want you to just join your faith and pray with me and pray with Pastor Aaron and the team here that, that God supernaturally is going to open a door for you guys to go to the next place. And I know he has that for you. And I just want you to know when I think about you, I'm praying and believing for God to do that. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, I've had something that's really just been burning on my heart as we've walked through the last couple of years in our culture and, and, and for most of us 
uh, again, an, an unprecedented time for us, a, a unique time that we've never experienced. And I, I know even those of you watching online would agree that, um, again, we, we kind of got, how'd y'all like that, like three-day break between a global pandemic and World War III, right? I mean, it's like... Uh, it's uh, it, you know it's just been that that time where it's just like seems like one thing after another, and as pastors we know the ingredient that you need. We need it ourselves to be able to walk out the questions and the challenges and the fears and the anxieties of life. But but I want to apologize to you. A lot of times we we know you need something, but we haven't really taught you how to get it. And I've been a little bit in some ways disappointed at the strength level of, I'm talking about followers of Jesus, abilities to persevere, to endure, to, you know, anxieties being at an all-time high, depression, and just where we've been. I'm not throwing rocks at anyone. We've all had our moments, but but, but how many of you believe we need a little stronger foundation? We need a, we need a little bit more of an endurance, and, and we need an ingredient that the Bible says we need. And um, I know you come even this weekend and you have things in your life. And what happens is when we come to God a lot of times because he is so big, he is so awesome, he is so other, we have questions. And so we, we ask questions like, when will you help me, God, with this physical ailment that I'm walking through? How will you help me with this medical condition? When will you help me in this marriage? How will you touch my child? Who should I marry? When will you give me some direction regarding my career with a job that I go to that I'm unsatisfied in? When will you open that next door? And I'm not telling you it's wrong to ask those questions. The reason you ask those questions is because you're human. You're human, and he's God, and he's others, so you're asking him, God, when, how, what will you do? And I want to give you a better question to ask. A better question this morning for that which keeps you up at night is this question, what does God bless? Because if you'll begin to see what he blesses, because him in your situation is a majority, when he begins to get involved, it changes the circumstances of whatever you're facing. So we need to ask this question, God, what do you bless? What do you want to bless? And he blesses a life of faith. Hebrews eleven six says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So not, not it's, it's, it's sort of possible. No, it is impossible to get God involved in your marriage with the child, with your finances, with your, it's impossible to please God without faith because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who are earnestly seeking him. So I want to spend just a few moments. I've, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. I want to tell you a little bit about this ingredient called faith. I want to tell you what it's not. I want to show you an inspiring story where something really crazy happens. Jesus is actually amazed at somebody's faith. That, that story just blows me away. We'll, we'll read it in a minute in Luke 7. But then I want to tell you how to get more faith in your life. Because if you say, Jeff, we need this ingredient, a lot of times I find that people are like, well, I need it. I just don't know how to get it. I don't know how it works. Oh, oh, we're supposed to have faith over fear. 
Well, why has everybody been so afraid? Because they don't know how to access faith. How do you get it? I've been in a faith journey, not just with all the other things in the world, but last year I went on a new faith journey. I have four kids, my beautiful wife Brandy here. She, she and I have been in ministry uh, from, from the first moment we met, and I was a pastor, so I've been a senior pastor for 27 years. So I've had a journey of faith, and my, my beautiful wife, we have four kids, and my oldest daughter, she, um, she got engaged this last year and, and eventually in November got married, but she, uh, she took me on a faith journey. Now, some of y'all have never been on this journey. Let me tell you, you better build your faith now. <laughs> Because, um, I mean, I, I learned real quick, we, we started off, we had to find somewhere to have the wedding, and uh, she said, uh, we need to find a venue. Now, now, we have at our main campus, we have 54 acres, we have a 90-something thousand square foot building, really nice auditorium, you know, screens and all the stuff, and I said, why do we need to find a venue? I was like, I got, I got some connections, you know, down there at the church. She said, well, we can't use that because it doesn't have a center aisle. And that's when I learned about venues. She said, it doesn't have a center aisle. I'm like, well, what you guys want to spend on the venue, we could just like helicopter her. We could maybe do like a Vegas show and just transport her down to the front. So I learned real quick that I'm on the finance committee of this faith journey, but I'm not a voting member of the committee. I'm just telling you, dads, if you get in it, you don't have a real vote. You just provide the resources, okay? I mean, we went through so many different iterations of this continual process. I mean, we had one time we were sitting on the couch, classic. My wife is there, you know, shopping online. I'm trying to watch the game. She gets all like almost hyperventilating because she can't find sparklers. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why do we need sparklers? You know, it wasn't July 4th or anything. It's like, why do we need fireworks? She's like, the wedding, Jeff. I'm like, the wedding needs spark. Wait, help me out. Why do we need sparklers? She's like, you don't. It's, it's the photo op at the end. I'm like, okay, great. All right. So she found some. Anyway, we also have a lot of leftovers for any of y'all's weddings, if y'all want, because we have a garage full of sparklers. Let me tell you, we're, we're totally equipped for New Year's and July 4th for the next 10 years, if you want to know. All right. So I, I went through this, but by the way, it did end up good. All my prayers, I, um, I gave her a little key. She, she had a heart-shaped locket at 12 years old, and my, my faith being that she would marry a man that I would feel honored to give her the key, give him the key to her heart. And on, at the rehearsal dinner, I had the opportunity to do that. And I cried so much at the rehearsal that I didn't have any tears left for the wedding. Uh, until at the end of the wedding, we went to the reception and I had this real moment. I'm, I'm, I'm also talking about something practical here that, that a lot of times when we're on a journey of faith, we're investing in stuff that we don't see for a long time, and sometimes we wonder, will it even happen? And over a long period of time, investing and praying and believing, um, I had this moment where we had our dance, and I was ready emotionally because uh, I knew the song. She and I had practiced a little bit. Um, I, I didn't really have any moves. By the way, if you get in that moment, if just a little coaching, you don't really need moves because you're, you're kind of out of it anyway, so you just kind of do the junior high sway, you know, I just kind of did that, and, and the song was, I loved her first, um, 
But what I wasn't ready for was in the middle of the song, she had pre-recorded and came over the loudspeaker and said, Dad, thank you so much for all the things you've invested in me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sowing into my life. It, it was a small window. I'm offering it to you. A small window of this principle of faith that you sow seeds and there's even moments you wonder, are they getting it? And sometimes it looks like it may not and we walk through different journeys. But I want you to know that when you're sowing by faith toward what God's called you to sow towards, I just want you to know the Bible says, if you don't faint, you will reap. You will reap. So I want to just encourage somebody today, whatever your journey is, we don't get to always be in a reaping season, but when we're sowing by faith, we many times will see the fruit of that which we sow to by faith. So let's get started on this faith thing. You're like, I want faith for my kids. I want faith for my marriage. I want faith for my career. I want, I want that ingredient because it says that's what God blesses. You're like, how do you get it? Well, it starts with saving faith. The Bible says in Ephesians, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. I want you to know this Jesus story. He, he's not a religion. This isn't an ideology. This, this isn't some kind of mystical religious experience. Faith is not even like just some concept or worldview. Faith, the Bible says, is actually a substance that you receive as a gift from God to believe in this Jesus. And when he reveals himself to you, you may have been to church, never been to church. You may have been in all kinds of different religious experiences, but the Bible says it's the grace of God to come and show you that you need Jesus to save you. The biggest problem in our culture today for us receiving saving faith is that you have to get people to a place that they know they need to be saved before they'll receive it. Because the American religion is, I'm a good person. I led my trainer to the Lord recently. It took me a little while. Let me tell you, that's like a setup from God to give a guy to me two or three times a week for an hour with a preacher. You don't want to be lost and be working out with a preacher for three hours a week. And my problem was, I said, so what about Jesus? Well, my uncle's a pastor. That ain't got nothing to do with your uncle. What about you? Well, well, well I said, just talk to me about it. He said, well, I'm a good person. I, that's the American religion. I'm a good person. And, and, I, and I had to just push on that a little bit. I said, well, have you ever lied? He said, well, yeah, I've lied. I said, okay, so you're a liar. <laughs> Have you ever stolen anything? Yeah. Oh, you're a thief too. Let's just stop there. By the way, if you want to say you're a good person, here's my recommendation, okay? Because when we say we're good, we're really saying we're good in comparison to the worst person we know. Yeah. If you want to live that American religion, get a good heathen friend. <laughs> Y'all know there's people that professionally sin. Y'all do know that. Some people are kind of sinners. We all have a friend who trains people on how to go to hell. Y'all do know that, right? I mean, there's, a, there's people that train people in sin. Get that person as your friend, because then you can always tell God, well, look, I'm a thief, I'm a liar, I've done this wrong. There's more stuff I've done that people don't know. But look, my friend over here, now he's a full-blown <laughs> heathen. You know what I'm saying? But at some point, God shows you that you need Jesus you're lost without him. And the Bible says it's the grace of God the day you actually stop kind of playing religious games and you go all in with him. And the Bible says he gives you faith to believe that story. Now, it's a crazy story. 
God becomes flesh, dies on a cross, raises from the dead. He's alive today in heaven. He lives in our heart. It's a crazy story. That's why it takes faith. It takes faith to believe in this Jesus, but that's how it all starts. And he comes into your heart, and that's where you begin the starting place of faith. But here's another thing I want you to understand. You don't just get saved by faith. The Bible says you have to live by faith. So the same faith that it takes to trust Jesus is the same faith you have to walk this thing out with. I love Luke chapter 7 because it shows Jesus being amazed at somebody's faith. And we, we have trouble with the context, but if you really understand the context, it's quite a fascinating story. It's a, it's a centurion, and the centurion is Roman, and, it, it, and Romans would have been despised by the Jews. Much less the fact centurion means he was probably over 80 to 100 troops. So he's the one that's at the lower level of rank, but his master actually has a heart for him. And so, by the way, Jesus' stories always turn the thing upside down. The higher you are up in the echelon, the harder it is for you to trust God because you want to trust yourself. The harder it is. It's, it, the Bible always says it's the childlike faith. It's the one who didn't think they would be invited to the party. So the more we have the ability to solve our own problems, the more likely we are to not grow in our faith. And then a global pandemic comes and we all realize we're not God. Then we have another crisis or a problem. It generally takes a problem outside of our control to press us to a place where we have to learn how to live by faith. Okay? So this centurion, though, amazing story. Jesus finished saying all of this. What's he saying? It's his most famous sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He just gave that. People are listening. He entered Capernaum. By the way, that was kind of Jesus' ministry headquarters. And there there's this centurion servant who's, whom his master valued highly and was sick and about to die. Okay, So this centurion has a heart for this one that's serving him, this master. So the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, and it said, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. So here's a Roman centurion who has full power and control showing deference for a Jewish Jesus who would be unclean to come into his house. It, it, it's, the Bible's always breaking down ethnic, racial, social, every kind of barrier to show that we should have honor and love and respect for one another. Okay? The kingdom-oriented people should model at all times that God is one who removes all the statuses and barriers that keep us from loving one another. And so this, this, this story right here, we see this centurion look at Jesus and go, well, you don't even have to come under my roof. He's showing honor. He's showing deference. And so that is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But look at this. Here's faith. But say the word. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this faith understanding of what you're trusting is, what do you believe and where do you put your real authority? What does God bless? That's the question. 
What does God bless? He sees this as the same way he gives an authoritative word and there's something that happens because it's a man under authority. Jesus heard this. He was amazed. Two times in the Bible that I see Jesus amazed. One was when he went to his hometown and he was amazed at the level of unbelief and the Bible said he could do no miracles there. Here he's amazed at this centurion's faith. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. So the people that should have faith, I haven't found it among them. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. What are some components in this story? Let's get real practical in my final few moments with you before I pray for you. Because that's a powerful story. It's, it's crazy. I mean, wouldn't you just love Jesus to look at you and be amazed? I mean, I'd love for Jesus to go, you know what? Yeah, you have these situations. I'm amazed at your faith. I'm amazed at your trust in me. Jesus said he was amazed at this centurion. How do we have that kind of understanding of who he is and the power that he has to fix our situation or show up in our circumstance? How do we have that? How do we combat anxiety, fear, and the pressures that we live under. How do we get a stronger foundation? Because you're either walking in a challenge right now or you're headed toward one. I'm sorry if that's not encouraging, but that's just the truth of how life works. And there's waiting for you a circumstance coming your way that you're going to need greater faith to walk it out. How do you get it? First of all, faith sees. The centurion saw the situation differently than everybody else. Now, I'm getting a little bit older. I'm in denial. And uh, I, I hate to say it, um, as I was reading my Bible, you may have noticed, I don't have, a, I don't have a problem. It's not that my eyes are getting bad, but my, long, my arms are getting longer. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, and I mean, my wife, she has like 17 pair of reader's glasses. Y'all know what I'm talking about? She just kind of keeps them everywhere, which is powerful. So I'll just... I'll just get hers, and I, I don't have a problem, but I'm going to tell you, when I put hers on, man, it looks phenomenal, man. It's just so, so privately, I use them publicly. I'm still in denial. Are y'all with me? But it's amazing how much more clear. Did you know faith, when you grab a hold of faith, you see the world differently. You see the world differently. It's not a personality trait. You're like, Pastor Jeff, you're just kind of a bold person maybe, or you're a pastor. No, no. After years of having to lift that faith muscle, planting a church, starting in a cafetorium, taking steps of faith, raising teenagers, anybody feel me? Y'all know what I'm saying? Raising kids, raising girls through junior high. Girls are mean in junior high. Girls in junior high need to get saved. Let me tell you something. I've had three daughters in junior high. You better get some faith. So after walking that out over time, what happens is fear begins to dissipate. And what happens, you begin to put those lenses on and you see circumstances differently based on your perspective from heaven. Faith sees things differently. Second of all, faith hears. You're like, how do I get some faith, pastor? I want some faith, okay? Because you're going to get a chance to use it this week. You're going to get a chance. You're going to get a bad report. You're going to get a phone call that can mess your day up. And you're like, how do I get faith? 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So let me be real practical here for a minute. If you spent 25%, I'm not even talking about 50, 60, or 70%, more time focused on what the Word says instead of scrolling your Facebook, you would have more faith. The real problem is we're exposed to more negative. You know, more people I meet today, the world's just, the world will just, you know, going to hell in a handbasket. You know, it just, it just, people are just negative today. And is it just because the world is worse or is it because we're exposed to the worst of the world? Is it that much worse or we get it fed to us at greater degrees? So we're watching every problem, every sickness, every issue, every circumstance. You're not going to get faith scrolling the news. But you can get faith from this word right here. So you say, what do you do, Pastor? Let me be even more practical. I put it on the back of my phone. I have it on the dash of my car. I'm going to confess that word over my life every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. What I would encourage you with, you're like, I'm more afraid than I used to be, then you need to up the word quotient in your life. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I turned my social media off. You're like, really? How does a pastor like? It's, it's phenomenal. My kids have FOMO, the fear of missing out. Now where I'm at in my life, I have JOMO, the joy of missing out. I have the joy of missing out on so much negative stuff. And it keeps my soul at a greater level of peace. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. The foundation of our trust has been challenged in our culture today. What do we really trust? When I was a young pastor, I took a group of people on a deep sea fishing trip. <clears throat> I don't recommend it. This was a party boat deal. We took a big bus, all these people. I'll never forget it. There we are. I'm supposed to host all these people. And there's this big diesel engine boat out there. And I got all these people we're responsible for. One guy was talking about how last night he said, you know, I love deep sea fishing. Last night I ate shrimp. I ate scallops. I had lobster. I'm ready. And he was up there kind of fighting his way to the front to get the very best fishing spot. Look, everybody was great as long as the boat was inside the jetties. It just kind of, everybody was excited and happy. It was phenomenal. Until that boat turned outside those jetties, and the first time it went like this, and it went like this. That brother at the front, he was returning all of those things to the sea. Because everybody does great as long as the boat's inside the jetties. And there's so many people today that, and I'm going to tell you, this got really bad because, by the way, if you've never done this, the captain takes it as a badge of honor to not come back in. So we spent eight hours with some of these people seasick for eight hours. There were people having to eat something to have something. I know this is a gross message, but anyway, this was getting real bad. There was one lady, she was sitting Indian style, just kind of, I'm supposed to be her pastor. I stopped, I said, ma'am, could you consider maybe over, she, have you ever looked at someone in the face and realized the lights are on, but nobody's home? I was just like, just carry on, praise God. I mean, just whatever. I mean, sick for eight hours. We have a culture that is seasick. 
because they have no grounding and foundation in the Word of God. That's where faith comes from. Up your level. Third thing is faith speaks. Did you know it came right here from this? Just say the word. Just say the word. You say, how do I know if my kid's faith is being tainted by what they're hearing from school or what they're getting on Instagram? Parents right here, let me give you something. Let me tell you, you better set this word up as the authority at your house now because there's a full-on assault to what's said inside of this book right here to your kids. Like never before. There's messaging and every attack that's coming. You're like, how do I know if my kid's faith is being tested or tweaked or pushed or, or challenged? And how do I know if their view of God's being... Just listen to how they talk. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Faith speaks different than unbelief. Faith speaks different than criticism. Faith speaks different than cynicism. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. So it comes by listening to the speech. Fourth is faith acts. Now this is where you really get rubber meet the road, whether somebody's really growing in their faith. When you know you're growing in your faith is not just by what you say or just by what you believe, but by what you do. We built a cerebral faith in American culture where it's he who knows the most. Who can win the Bible driller question thing? Let me tell you about this Bible study I've done. Let me tell you about this in-depth understanding I have. I, I want to I give you a newsflash. The Bible doesn't put maturity on who knows the most. The Bible puts maturity on who can do what they know. Can you live what you know? So here's where faith rubber meets the road, when it influences your actions. You're like, when's God going to bless my finances? Well, the Bible's very clear. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. Yeah, I said it. I'm leaving after this. I'm not going to be here. I'm leaving. I'm going back to Dallas. It'll be, it'll be fine. Bring the whole tithe. That's, that's, that's simple math. If you make $50,000, it's 5000 But it's faith challenging, right? So, and I want you to know, faith overcomes feeling. Faith overcomes your feelings because you're never going to feel like doing it. Now, I could hit any other subject. We could hit one. I just hit the money thing because that one messes with our feelings more than anything because what we're most afraid of is financial failure. But God's the one who gave us his word on how money works. So I'm just giving you that one because that's the easiest one. But I've never been sitting in church when all of a sudden my debit card just started rumbling. And it just kind of came up out of my wallet and went over into the plate. And then they could take and put the numbers on it. And then it would just all just kind of happen. I've never even said, you know what? This feels awesome. This would be great. This is exciting because you don't feel always what faith is saying to you. But you act on what the Word says. So husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. That, that, that may not feel all the time. Because, I mean, we've had a few arguments, and I'm always right. I don't know if y'all know that. Anybody with me? I mean, it's like if the rest of the world would just see things my way, we could have a much more harmonious life. But I have to do what the Word says. You don't ever feel like saying, I'm sorry. 
You don't ever feel like a lot of things, but faith acts even when you're afraid. Can I help some of you with this? You're like, will I ever get to a point where I've been to church so much that I won't be afraid? No. No, you will not. You never will just be like, you know what? I'm not scared at all. Some of y'all look at me and think, well, pastor, are you not scared? Oh, man, well, look, we got... We're trying to finish a building right now. We got a building in Hazlitt. We got, we got more. Look, we got, you, you go from faith to faith and glory to glory. It's scary every time till you die. It never gets me. Oh, I got this. Some of you think there's people around you like, well, if I could be where they are. Well, it's just more zeros and more faith. It's just more faith. It's just, it's just more stuff to be scared of. You never get out of that. When I was a little kid, I was intuitive, you know? Some of y'all think this is personality. It's not. I actually was intuitive and kind of could see scenarios. And my mom took me to swimming lessons. I'll never forget it. Mom took me to swimming lessons. I got there, I thought, let's see, this is a good side of the pool. There's dangerous water right there. I think I'm going to stay on the side, you know? The little swimming lessons teacher, come on, Jeffy. Jeff, Jeffy boy, come here. Come on in. I'm like... Oh, no, 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 no. You ain't, you ain't, you ain't, no, you're not manipulating me in there. Some of y'all got a kid like this. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing that. Scared of everything. I went home. My dad was six foot seven, had hands like vice grips. He was a man. You know what I'm saying? And my mom had me and he said, did the boy swim today? My mom said, you leave him alone. He doesn't. Our moms, will, they'll keep us afraid if we're not careful, moms. You know what I'm saying? No offense now, but it'd be like, you leave him alone. He doesn't have to swim if he doesn't want to. Second day I went, mom let me sit on the side. She got me ice cream afterwards, even though I sat on the side. Came home, my dad said, did the boy swim? He doesn't have to. You leave him alone. My, my dad said, let me explain something to you, son. He pulled me to the side. He said, now my dad, this is old school. Some, this, some of y'all millennial parents, y'all give people trophies and stuff. This is old school. This is old school. My dad pulled me aside. He said, boy... Let me explain something to you. If you don't get in that water tomorrow, I'm coming to the pool and I'm throwing you in. Anybody raised by a parent like that? We're throwing you in the water. Don't you, don't you wish that it was just as simple as getting in the water or you had somebody sometimes to throw you in? But here's what I've learned. Whether it's receiving Jesus today for the first time, if you don't know him, it's going to be a scary step. It's like, why can I live up to this? What would my friends say? I don't even know. Will I become a religious weirdo? This is crazy. I don't even know if I like these people. I'm scared. I'm scared. And to, get to accept Christ, he gives you the grace, but you've got to say, this is crazy. I'm jumping in. And every other step after that is just as scary. But you keep taking those steps. The fifth thing is faith is contagious. Faith is contagious. We, you know, the word contagious. Think about how much revelation we have of the word contagious after the last two years. Contagious. You know what I'm saying? Are they contagious? Who's contagious? I can be honest. I wasn't really that way. My wife has always been that way. I mean, I, I did not use hand sanitizer before the last couple. I just, you know, I'd just be like, we'll, we'll just roll with it. You know what I'm saying? My wife is an antibacterial. I think she probably just, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd just be like, well, whatever. You know, the Lord will work it out. But I mean, 
But I mean, we, we've all, and I mean, what about you? And look at them. And I mean, we'd be profiling people. They look more contagious than somebody else, you know? It's like, it, we don't know. It's your kids, the one bringing every disease to your house anyway, and you ain't looking at them like that. And so you'll just be walking up next to somebody in a grocery store and be like, Whoa. you know, I don't even know them. I don't know them. They're contagious. I'm not making a political statement or a COVID statement, really, so don't email me. We should be more conscious of how contagious unbelief is. We should, we should be more conscious of how contagious faith is. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You can build a home that's contagious with unbelief or a home that's contagious with faith. I'm telling you, atmospheres. Jesus was amazed in his hometown and said, he, I can't really do anything here. There's no faith. There's no faith. I've walked a journey with my youngest daughter who was diagnosed with arthritis, juvenile arthritis, uh, several years ago. And so we've just continued to pray for her and believe it's been a faith journey for us. But when she first was diagnosed, she had an elbow that didn't work. And uh, we, they, the doctor didn't know, thought it was maybe a bone issue. And they put a cast on it and it, it continued uh, to have problems, and I'll never forget the day that we had we went to the specialist where we found out that she had juvenile arthritis and the 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 the, the elbow wasn't working because of inflammation. And it was just it was a painful day, man. They had to put a shot in there of steroids to help help with everything. Her mom and I we were we were a mess. This is our baby daughter. We had later in life. She's the child of our older age. Her name's Lainey Kate. She's a bright light. We lost a baby late term before we were pregnant with her, and so she's been with us. And man, it was, a, it was, a, it was an emotional thing that day. But my, my daughter changed my perspective the next morning. I was so worried about her. I woke up early, went to see, and she met me coming down the stairs. And after a day of shots and finding out now that she would have to walk this journey, I'll never forget, as long as I live, when I looked in her eyes and I said, how you doing, baby doll? She said, I still got my joy. And when she said that, there was an impartation that came to me. And I'm not saying we've done it perfect and we've just like you, we're just walking this, this journey out. But I just began to think how important it is, not even just for us, but for those coming behind us that we don't model perfection, but we do model faith. We model that, you know what, I don't know how, I don't see it exactly right, I don't know exactly what God's going to do, but you know what, we'll trust Him. Like it says in the book of Daniel, my God is able, my God is able, make no mistake, but even if He does not, I will not bow my knee to any other God. And so I'm going to continue to stand in faith. And so I want to ask you right now just to bow your heads because there's somebody here maybe that you need that saving faith. You need to just say yes to Jesus today. Maybe he's been working on you. You're not right with him. Well, you can simply right where you are, maybe right, right there online, just say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. It's not about your eloquence of prayer. It's just about your heart to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender myself to you. Become my Lord and Savior. Become my Jesus. I believe you died on the cross. Just make it your words. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I accept you today. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're here and you say, I prayed that with you, Pastor, would you just lift your hand so I can see if you prayed it with me? Anybody in here that would say, I prayed that prayer, Pastor? Anybody here? Thank you. Thank you. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to let us know. Come to next steps class that you saw on the screen. The devil's going to try to stop you from taking steps and tell you that wasn't real. He's going to want to immediately start trying to rob your faith that you have right now that's in seed form. And so I'm going to encourage you to take that step and come to next steps. How many of you here, though, say, Pastor, I've been asking those questions, how and when and, 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 and what's going to happen, but I, 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 need, I need today faith for a situation in my life. Would you raise your hand if you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because the Bible says there's a gift of faith as well. How many of you here say, I'm facing a situation, Pastor, that I want God to show up in, I want God to bless? Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? A circumstance, a kid. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you're strengthening everyone under the sound of my voice, our faith. Lord, I pray you're strengthening foundations that we're more prepared to walk through the things that we face in life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Rise Church.